Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. Well, we're deep into this debate, maybe it's an experiment, into what the best and most effective way of working actually is. Throughout the pandemic, we had a forced experiment in remote work, and a lot of workers liked it very much. Companies may not have liked it quite as much, so now we're trying to find this happy medium. We're going with some kind of hybrid work. And that's not necessarily ideal either, because we have a lot of things to think about. Like remote work, hybrid work can leave some people feeling isolated. And you have to, as an organization, think about how to handle that because it's good for the person, it's good for the organization if everyone feels like they're not isolated and they're part of the team. Well, my guest today has done some work into whether we can make hybrid workers feel less isolated. Her name is Caroline Knight, and she's a research fellow at the Future of Work Institute at Curtin University in Australia. Now, with several colleagues, she conducted an experiment into how to make hybrid or remote work less lonely, and the results are very interesting and maybe surprising. Caroline has some great thoughts on how we should be proceeding when it comes to hybrid work. She shared them with me. It was a really good discussion, so please stay with us to hear it. Well, can we make hybrid workers feel less isolated? My guest today is Caroline Knight. She's a research fellow at the Future of Work Institute at Curtin University. She joins me now to talk about what her research says about the subject. Caroline, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a really interesting time to be looking at this. We're kind of in transition. I always like to ask my guests about their own careers. How did you get interested in future of work? Well, I suppose the future of work is happening to us all. And I guess really initially my research was in organizational psychology, work psychology, and I was very much into looking at how work design impacts people's well-being. Because obviously we spend sort of eight hours a day, you know, at work. And over time, we're spending a lot of our lives at work. So I guess the impacts on us as individuals um, is huge. And looking into the future, so many things are changing economically, politically, culturally. Um, and of course, when the COVID hit, it work changed completely again. So I guess for me, um, it's just very um, salient and it's very something that's happening to us all and we're all going to have to deal with it. So I guess the interest for me there is yeah, very intrinsic, if you like. It's such, I said already, an interesting time because we're looking at these different models of work. There's fully remote, there's fully in the office, there's hybrid. You know, I, I know we're going to talk about the hybrid part of it, but you've also had a comment on fully remote not being perhaps ideal from your vantage point in psychology. Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so actually we did actually run a study right through the first year of the pandemic from April 2020 to April 2021. Um, and um, I think what we're finding is perhaps if when you're fully remote, um, you'll see don't ever get to see anyone face-to-face. -face. You don't ever connect people face-to-face. -face. I think um, the biggest impact is possibly that social connection. So, you know, all of us as human beings sort of need this um, connection to individuals and it's called uh, relatedness um, from self-determination theory, which is psychological theory. Um, and if we don't get that sort of need met, then, then things can, you can start to feel not um, so good. So I guess in, in your well-being to deteriorate, you might become more anxious, a bit more depressed, um, and you sort of become more in your own head. So I think when you're um, sort of working fully remote and you never don't get those connections with colleagues, you can also you know lack the support that you'd normally get, even just to functionally get your work done. You know, you can't just pop next door to ask anyone a question, um, and also spontaneous chats. And maybe when you're talking one-on-one, -on -one, you might talk about other things as well, and then. 
um, which can be a way of managing sort of work stress. So I think really those supports deteriorate. And then, of course, on Zoom or Teams, you kind of have different um, interactions. They're not really so spontaneous. Sometimes it's very hard to read what someone's saying. Um, you know, the gestures and things don't come across the same. And sometimes the Internet's, you know, breaking up. So it can be much more functional and you never really get beyond that. OK, let's get the job done and, and get off and get on to the next thing. Um, so I think that's one of the major issues um, with sort of working from home. But having said that, of course, there's always people that it will work for. Um, and then there's um, obviously people perhaps who are more extrovert and that who uh, uh, perhaps it will work less for. And it also depends a lot on the home circumstances. So I guess there's many factors in the uh, in the mix um, and we're all on that scale somewhere. But generally, I think these are things that we've been finding uh, having reported. Yeah, it's sometimes called the water cooler effect that, you know, the chats over the water cooler uh, end up helping your work. Do you think some of this comes down to management, though? Because there are ways to help people connect, but I don't think anyone was trained to do it. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think that's probably what we're all learning now. Um, and of course, um, before we didn't have those setups in place. So we all had to work from home, whether or not we wanted to, it suited us. And we didn't have the those sort of networks and even like teams and chats people didn't have before. So I think for sure now, for, you know, for example, in our institute, we have um, lots of teams channels for various different topics and for random you know topics even and for help and on different aspects and you can just drop something in the chat and you can be sure that you know 101 people are probably going to come up with some amazing answers um, and you can get that support um, and I think that's something that management for sure can can help so they can help provide those kind of softwares and systems and they can model the use of them you know they can promote the use um, and I think that's a lot a lot what people are doing now um, what it doesn't do I suppose is for those people where it literally is quite spontaneous and um, things that just come to, you might not put into a chat, you know, you might only, to, um, you know, um, put in a question in a chat when you literally have a specific thing to ask rather than just like, I want to bounce about an idea. You can't really do that on chats. So, so there's different things that you can use it for. And I think it's also, um, it could be difficult when you're new to a company. So you can get quite um, professionally isolated, I guess. So making new contacts can be quite difficult through these internal systems. Um, so you might be very good at maintaining the relationships you've already got, but um, you know, developing them and expanding your network could be more hard if it's there's not um, specific ways for you to connect, like making time to have like, hybrid conferences, for instance, or online conferences, or you know, making the effort say, oh, can I present to these people so I can connect with them? Um, that, those sorts of connections could be more difficult. So um, definitely management can help, but there's probably also limits, perhaps. Well, let's talk about hybrid. I'm going to say I'm a little bit of a skeptic, not because I don't think it can work, just because I think a lot of companies are saying, OK, we can't compromise, you know, can't please everybody, we're going to do hybrid. So I, I'm wondering if everyone's going into this, having it organized well enough. Oh, you have the study where you looked at work well tell us about the study you looked at hybrid workers and whether they're being well served yeah exactly um so um we 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 did look at hybrid workers this is in 2021 over three time points in fact in um sort of may june then october november then actually february um march this year um but we we did find that with hybrid workers it is the social aspect that was really uh, noticeable that people was de kind of degraded when people working behind. But I guess what the interesting thing was, was that if people were getting their need for social connection and support met when they're in the office, they actually didn't feel sort of as lonely, even when they're working from home. 
Um, and, you know, you might expect that when people are working home and they're able to get connections with people, of course, the loneliness will decrease. But this is actually saying that if you get enough of it in the office, it kind of offsets the impact of being on your own. Um, and I guess what we're finding, um, you know, hybrid is not going to suit everyone and it won't suit all occupations and industries. So well, now that we kind of have more of a choice about whether we work hybrid or not, it tends to be obviously the, the occupations industries that have work that people can do from home. That, and those people tend to um, be the ones working from home. So they have the more facilities and the ability to be able to. So I think that makes it um, better for them than sort of, you know, in the pre in beginning of the pandemic, for example, when people had to work from home, they had to translate tasks which really weren't very easy to do at home um, to that home environment. But it, as a hybrid worker, that's not so much of an of an issue. So uh, people are more able to do their jobs from home. But also, I guess, when if people can then organise that they, they do the collaborative stuff when they're in their office, they're more likely to be able to connect with people, then that can offset some of those um, uh impacts of not being able to connect with others, not being able to network um, when they're at home. Um, and they can sort of manage maybe doing collaborative stuff in the office and then doing more of the individual, like really deep thinking kind of work potentially from home, where hopefully there might be a fewer distractions, depending on obviously you have kids and things around. Yeah. <laughs> okay. you, you specifically asked about loneliness. I mean, I thought that was interesting in terms of workers. Are they lonely not being there? Talk about the question and the answers to that. Yeah, so... Um, so we, we found that basically when people are at home, they do feel more lonely, but the impact, but that can be offset by having enough social support basically in the office. So, you know, we have manager support and social um, support from colleagues. And it really, it was that support from colleagues that was super important. Um, so I mean, it's not, we kind of expected obviously that people might feel more lonely at home. Um, and what I think wasn't the unusual finding was that actually getting that colleague support when you're in the office kind of offset that lonely feeling when you're at home. And I think it's important because obviously if many more of us are doing hybrid work now, um, it's much more prevalent. So it could lead to, you know, an increase in people sort of feeling lonely. Um, so I think that is something that can be managed and it can be managed by, um, you know, in, in supervisors, managers and organisations. Um, so there's various, you know, ways that people could try and offset that um, that loneliness by creating these sorts of uh, softwares and, and promoting those sort of Teams channels where people connect more often. But also, you know, you could um, pair up with a colleague who's in a similar position and sort of say, hey, let's just check on each other when we're working from home or um, and see how we're going, which... Um, I haven't seen done that often, actually, but I think it would be quite good to maybe to have a peer buddy system where, you know, where people who tend to connect, you know, better anyway, they could they could actually just, yeah, check in on each other, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to ask about that because we think about training managers to help, you know, help workers or connect with workers, but should we tr be training the workforce to say, you know, formally check on each other? You're kind of forcing people to be friends. Yeah, I suppose it depends how it's done. I guess if you've been in an institution for long enough, then potentially you will have, you know, a few colleagues that you probably do get on with quite well and maybe you see them as even as friends. Um, and I would suggest maybe it, there's a bit of both. Perhaps it could be up to colleagues to, to connect, just but maybe the thing what managers could do is actually promote it and say, hey, this is a good idea. This could be a way if you're feeling lonely. Is there someone that you particularly, you know, get on well with in the office? You could buddy up. And so I would, I would probably not enforce it. But I would, I would say as a manager, you could definitely suggest it and encourage. 
Um, and also when new starters come, I think that would be important to perhaps allocate them a buddy. And that, that could then be changed. You know, it doesn't have to be stay like that if they don't get on well. But I think, um, I mean, what I found useful in my own work, and I, th- I think um, it's important um, too about others, is um, when you do come to a new institution, then having someone that you can just even ask questions about the, you know, the place or how to do X, Y, Z, that kind of support just knowing someone's there is really helpful. And it can lead to more collaborative, you know, work relationships as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's probably a good idea to enforce those sorts of things, but I think it's good to, to support them. So I guess there's a kind of top-down and bottom-up approach, we'd call it. So I do quite a lot of research in work redesign interventions as well, which is like changing work so that it actually is better um, for people. Um, and I guess you can have those top-down approaches which are more managerial. So you might have systems and policies, like making a work-from-home policy to allow people to be hybrid and, and be flexible because everyone likes autonomy. We know that from the literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also those bottom-up approaches, which are a bit more we call job crafting, where you can actually yourself say, uh, you know, reach out to a colleague, another colleague, and say, hey, shall we just check on each other or whatever? Um, so I think there's a bit of a bit of both. So you need the managers to be supportive um, and encouraging, but also um, have give room to or autonomy to individuals to actually try out different ways of making it work for them. Well, it's interesting because sometimes when you're exercising, you're training for you know a run or something, it helps to have somebody, right? They say that, or even on a diet, it helps to have somebody doing it with you. So it's a similar approach. Okay, so let's say you are looking for, and say we're going to have a hybrid workforce from this point on. Some people are going to be at work, some are going to be at home. They have to support each other. If you're in HR, are there different characteristics of people you should be looking for now that you weren't before? Well, I think hybrid work is probably going to suit suit people who perhaps like structuring their own day and they don't need to have someone else structure it for them. Like some people do like to have, um, you know, be in the office and have people around them. So I guess it's going to uh, probably, I think more the, I mean, working from home tends to suit perhaps more introverted people more than extroverted. So some people who really like to be connecting people all day long face to face, it's probably not going to be best for them. But I think there's a, most of us are on a scale. So I guess it, I guess those people who like the deep thinking and are quite comfortable being alone and getting on with their own work alone are going to do better. Um, and those people that are able to be proactive, so you kind of, we have this um, concept proactive personality where the people, some people tend to be more proactive and actually um, make the effort to um, say, you know, connect with people and maybe job craft and, and take on new challenges and things. Perhaps those are the people that are going to do better than people who actually like to be told, you know, exactly what to do, when and where. Um, we're all on a different scale and some, you know, some jobs obviously suit something better than others. So I guess um, it, it might be helpful to look for those, um, you know, kind of characteristics. But then I think hybrid work will suit a lot of people. And often it depends, again, on their circumstances. Like if you have children and you probably don't want to be working from home at all, maybe if they're young. Um, so I, I do think is that you can only, you can't really rely on just looking for, um, say doing personality tests and things like that when you're looking for hybrids, hybrid workers. Uh, I think there's too many things, too many other factors that can um, play, play into it to really look in this, just to focus on that type of thing. What else came out of the research? Is there anything that surprised you? Um, I, I guess the the, um, the the loneliness, obviously the, the social the colleague support being the most important thing when you're in the office was quite surprising. Um, result in itself but I think perhaps what was um, less surprising is or, or 
maybe a bit surprising there wasn't so many differences in terms of burnout and things like that. You might think that if people had more time at home, um, then might be less burnt out from less commuting, things like that. But it didn't really seem to have an effect. In some cases, you know, people reporting, you know, potentially they could have more workload um, because actually, obviously, once you're at home, it's very hard sometimes to manage your boundaries. So I guess a lot of, one of the issues, I think, uh, with, with hybrid work is that it's very hard then just to switch switch off at the end of the day, you know, at five o'clock or whatever, because you, you're not having to get a train or a bus, you know, um, and it, it's easy for it to infiltrate into the rest of the day. So I think um, people who might struggle more as well would be those who are less able to create boundaries. And I guess in some of our um, other research, what we found is um, in the beginning of the pandemic is um, that there were there were two different kinds of trajectories of psychological distress. So um, when people had to work from home, you know, distress, for some people, distress just increased and stayed high. Then for other people, it actually decreased. And what we found was that work design really predicted who was in which trajectory. Um, and some of that um, is similar to here. You know, people, um, it was really demand. So that your job demands really impact whether you were going to be on that higher uh, distress trajectory or the lower one. The people who had more workload who were really closely monitored, which often happens when you're working from home, managers are suddenly like, ah, I can't see you. Um, and, and even if they're not really, they're, it, it, can be, it can come across as like they don't trust their employees to work efficiently from home. Um, and that actually create, you know, seemed to be predicting that this higher level of distress over time. So I think these are really key findings and the closely monitoring um, of, ma of managers, of their employees is a really important thing to also focus on as a manager when you've got hybrid workers, um, because it can mean that individuals become, feel more stressed, you feel more tethered to your desk and you feel more like you can't, you also, it kind of, I suppose, uh, implicates the amount of autonomy and control you feel you have because you've got a manager maybe always, um, you know, checking up on you, or it's, it's some institutions or some organisations I know have um, you know, started to monitor like mouse clicks and things like that, which could be very stressful for an individual. So, um, so some people might, might be fine with hybrid work, but they're not really fine with that kind of monitoring. So they'd rather work in the office where you know things it doesn't happen. Um, so there's definitely many factors that play into this, and managers obviously have a have a role in this. So actually training. I think making man the biggest thing for managers really would be to be aware of how you know work design impacts individuals. And by work design, I'm talking about sort of the, the roles and activities and responsibilities that people have in their job. So the kind of content of the job and what they do, um, and that these sort of psychosocial aspects such as autonomy, you know, social support, how much workload people have, whether they have variety in their jobs, um, because these things really predict people's well-being when we know that people when they have lots of variety and um at work and they have some, some challenging but good projects people kind of thrive um but if you then you know it implicates a lot of you know, close monitoring um into into the mix then it can actually detract from being able to enjoy your job because you're too worried about what what your boss is thinking of you and and how you're being judged so I think those are things that are really key to think about for organisations um, longer term with hybrid work. And of course, there's all the whole team aspect of things, sort of communicating and um, collaborating with teams when you've got some people at home, some in the office. You know, we're not very good at actually um, doing hybrid team meetings, you know, when some people are at home and some aren't. And it's actually hard to know what's going on sometimes. And you can get this kind of outside effect for people at home that don't feel part of the conversation in the office or in the room in, in the meeting in the office. Um, 
and it can be hard for them maybe to have a voice. So I think there are many challenges we haven't yet resolved um, and many and much research obviously that, that still needs to be done, which we're um, continuing with. So I'm looking at this more longer term and sort of looking, hope, you know, we're, we're looking more into um, how hybrid work compares to people who are, you know, fully in the office and, and maybe fully at home as well to have a more systematic kind of evidence for um, how to do hybrid, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, we're in the early stages. It'll be really interesting to see where we are in three years or five years. Caroline, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much, Linda. Thanks for having me. Caroline Knight is a research fellow at the Future Work Institute at Curtin University. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to hear more about Caroline and her work, please take a look at our show notes. You can find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did like this episode and this discussion about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That is how people find podcasts. And if you do that, it will really help us continue these discussions. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.